When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's Bigfoot Collector's Club with Bryce and Michael. <laughs> I know a ghost story or two. Let's do this. <laughs> Not of approval Yay. from today's guest. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. That's what she said. It's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> hey, everybody. That's welcome good. back to an all-new episode of Bigfoot Collectors Club, the show where we talk to amazing guests about their personal paranormal history and share stories of high strangeness. I'm your host, Michael McMillan. With me always is your other host. Bryce Johnson. And our super producer. Riley Bright. And because somebody requested it, Nova the Wonder Dog is with us today. Yay. They said that Nova should have a credit. Okay, let's not waste any time because today it's a special L Files episode. We are going to read your listener files. And to do that, we brought in a very special guest. Yes, oh we did. my gosh, I can't believe she has allowed herself to stoop so low. <laughs> Tonight's guest is an actor, comedian, writer, and a singer-songwriter. You can hear her voice in the soon-to-be-released Trolls World Tour yeah. and in the new podcast, Cut and Run. Please, welcome back to the clubhouse. Club Scouts, it's Rachel Blue. Yay! Yeah. Welcome back. <laughs> what an intro. Also, Patreon shout out to Rachel Blue. Oh, yeah. Welcome. A true amazing. patron of the BCC. Rachel, how have you been? I'm good. I was saying this is probably going to be my last podcast before I give birth. I'm just over seven months pregnant. Oh, wow. So excited. You know, unless my baby starts one in utero. Which would be uh, awesome. Honestly, with the genes that run in your family? Yeah. It's quite She's possible. Come out, come out with a Twitter handle. If, my brain is working. My oh, brain is starting to no, work this slower. Is, this is good because you don't actually... We're going to provide all of it for okay, you tonight. Okay, great. And yep. it's just me going to be me judging people's most yeah. like innermost it, yeah. like emotional experiences of paranormal and me being like, that's not true. Yeah, the, you get to just yeah. be judgy. I got to give you a heads up. Some of them are a little dark. You oh. might... I think a little bit. Yeah, yeah, there's some scary ones. Um, if you had been a child, well, you were a child. If podcasts had been around when you were a child, do you think you would have started a podcast? Absolutely. Because mm. yes. when when we were little, we would do radio shows where we'd put a cassette tape in a boombox and just record ourselves oh, yeah. being DJs. When I was young, I used to, when in detention, I would have this little micro set recorder and I loved it. And I would do two things. So I would beatbox on it. And then I would do the chipmunk. So I would like record like a slow thing and then do the fast forward. And it would automatically turn your voice into like a chipmunk. Those are the two things I did. But it was awesome. I had a talk boy like in Home Alone. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. Those <laughs> things are two, great. Lost Actually, in New York. Uh, well, no, in Home Alone 1. 
Oh, did he have one in Home Alone? He had a Talk Boy in Home Alone. Oh, yeah, right. It was. I want to say. I'm so sorry. They had a Talk Boy, or they also had a Talk Girl, which is just a Talk Boy, but it's pink. It's yeah. Whatever you say, it comes back and it's like I like boys now. Those things flew off the shelf because of that movie. I'm not as good at math. I was just about to do a maths, but there you go. You got it. Eighty cents on the dollar. There we go. What What would your podcast have been when you were a child? What What were the important topics to you as a little? girl oh god i'm 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 wincing at the thought of if the internet and social media had been around when i was a child because i loved attention and i was very bizarre (laughs) and i just would have been one of those kids who went viral for doing something weird and it would have scarred me for life yeah uh i probably would have had like a broadway podcast oh i probably you know what i probably would have done is i had had a i would have Probably had a podcast with like the other uncool kids in my school where we'd shit on the popular kids. Oh, nice. What would, what do we call that podcast? The popular kids. The pop. I was gonna say shit on the, the pops. podcast. That's too clever. Yeah. Too Wait, clever, what right? is it? Shit on the pops. I have like somewhere in that sixth grade. That sounds like you're sitting on daddy's lap and doing something. <laughs> oh, very oh, nice. oh, oh, right. <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll stick with popular. Pops kids. is like not sexy. <laughs> Like daddy's yeah. like, oh yeah, daddy's daddy. sexy, yeah. Oh daddy, <laughs> call me pops. Oh pops. Like, he, like that's if I if I was watching a porn and someone was like pops, pops. Uh, yeah, I've never <laughs> heard pops in a porn. Happening? Yeah, right. I can't even handle it when they're like daddy. I'm like, Ugh, this is God. gross. Goodbye. Oh well, there you go. this, could, this <laughs> the is really a great start. Yeah, this is really close to going off the cliff right away. Um, Rachel, it's been. Two years since yeah. I was on. Since yeah. you were on the show, Whoa. can you believe it, guys? That We've been crazy. doing this for two Happy years. Two years. Yeah. Thank you very much. Um, let me ask you something. We know you're a skeptic, yeah. or, or maybe if you're, if this is your first episode, you may not know. But Rachel, your personal paranormal history is pretty blank. Pretty blank. Mm-hmm. Pretty skeptical. Been open to it. I've been open to it at times in my life. Still pretty blank. Uh. I mean, how I guess- have things changed? Have they changed since in two years since being on our show? I mean, <laughs> no, I had a pretty look. I would say I had a I was at a uh, a kind of like I was at a resort in the desert and I had a pretty what seemed like it was accurate numerology reading. Oh, I did yeah. it for funsies. Uh, I mean, I say accurate. I don't remember most of the things they said mm. uh, at this point. I have it somewhere. I have the little, I have the recording of the session somewhere, and then I have the like breakdown. But um, I remember thinking, like, these are this is really interesting and specific. But at the same time, I don't know. You're creative. You're going through this. Like, I was at a high end. Uh, it was it was Canyon Ranch in Arizona. Which is like I it was like I us and a bunch of old people. Remember when you guys went people. on this trip? Yeah, and so it's like a place where you go to like get healthy. We we thought it was going to be a resort. We didn't realize it was like a place where you go to like detox from drugs. Because mm. um, <laughs> we just did it. We had a we had a gift certificate there, and so we went on like a vacation. And we get there, and we were like, "There's no alcohol, and the servings are like the size of your finger." Like so, it was so we were in rehab for a couple days essentially, uh, and so I was like, oh, "I might as well." Uh, get a numerology Let's reading. Get in the rehab lifestyle. It was really weird because they also featured Botox. It was a it was a place that features like numerology readings, crystal sound baths, which I love. Those I, are great. I love a good sound bath. That's yep. the thing is, I don't 
I got an amazing crystal sound bath there. And for those of you who don't know, it's, it's hitting a bunch of different singing bowls and crystals and it goes like, wah, wah. It's a Tibetan singing bowl. And the woman was like, this cured me of my cancer. Wow. I, I really like being surrounded by that's sound. That's how you got pregnant. And that's how I got pregnant. <laughs> I was pregnant for two years. Um, so that was interesting. Uh, uh, they hit on some stuff though that made you kind of be like, "Oh, there's yeah. something to that." Well, yeah, or like, oh, "What happens to be accurate?" Yeah. Good guess. Would but they I, ask for your birth date? Did they ask yeah. for time of birth or anything yes. like that? Yeah, okay. everything. And it was, I should have. I have the chart mm. somewhere, and it seemed pretty accurate. But look, I don't really believe in horoscopes, but yet my whole life I felt like I happened to uh, follow what describes an Aries very well. Yeah. So. I don't know. I mean, mm. you know where my skepticism comes from the fact that I think that for a lot of my life I was a little bit, I felt rudderless and almost too guided by like my emotions and what I thought was like my quote unquote instinct, right? And so what made me a better person was to get more logical and to question the things that other people were telling me, the kind of pseudosciences that that people told me were true. And so with me, it's very like, reactionary against like ways that I felt I wasn't living up to my true potential. Yeah. I feel like what I took away from the episode you were in, uh, which you can go back and find it's like episode 10 or 11. Yeah, it's around early there. Coral Castle. Um, but I, that's right. The Coral Castle. Uh, so I felt like you, it, something in you, it was, you became very proactive. It like becoming a skeptic made you really kind of find your I took that away too she she said she wanted to you know it helped you take an ownership over your life as opposed to like handing it off to some deity you know what I mean yeah and that was hand in hand look becoming a skeptic was hand in hand with like becoming an atheist for me and it was it was it was all the idea of like I'm I'm not going to live my life assuming that something has my back assuming that if I fuck up uh, that that the universe will right itself. I, I'm going to, what if I took full responsibility for my actions at any given point? Mm. And for me, it made me a better person. I think in the ways that I honestly hear some people describe when they become like a born-again Christian, they similarly take responsibility for themselves and are kinder to others. So it's it's interesting because I it's why I, I think like, I consider it part of my spirituality, like my skepticism. No, and I, and, yeah, and my and 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 my and my secularism. It feels as deeply spiritual as a, a, a religion, yeah. and I can't. It's really... paradoxical. I totally get yeah. it. It's tough too because we li- we work in a career where I feel there's a lot of bullshit thrown in about like if it's meant to be, it's meant to be, or like even the language they use, like star like movie star Mm. like it's all this like really feels like preordained destined thing you have people saying like you're never gonna make it or like you know so there's this whole thing i think like i've been working out even in just like therapy and coming to this realization of like oh i don't need to ask permission or wait for someone to give me a call to go do what I want to do. You know, I still think I fall even under that mentality of like, well, it's under the, it's just, it's all luck. It's all. If that phone's going to ring, it's going to ring. You know what I mean? But that's kind of true. I mean, it is to a degree. Yeah. But it's not in the way that you think it is. It's, it's, I think embracing that you're powerless is the health. Embracing that you're powerless when it comes to getting roles and when it comes to going on auditions and even getting like offers 
is, I know, by the way, this dog's been adorable this entire time. <laughs> um, I think that that is, I don't know. I learned a lot sitting behind a casting table because when I, and I still will go on like auditions occasionally, but for, for a while I was an auditioning actor. And, and the thing that drove me crazy about it was that you'd go in and you'd do, you know, you'd, you'd be, you do your art in a way that you couldn't look at after. Like when you write, you can look at it after and say, this is what I've written. Yep. When you, when you, when you have a script, a sample script that you're sending around, when you act, it's just this one time thing that you're like, I don't know. It's yeah, not when you get no feedback, well, as soon as you walk out the door, they're, they're talking about you behind your back. So you have no, you have to have your own barometer of your experience in the room and it can be frustrating, you know? Right. And well, and it make and what it is, is such a fundamental lack of control and oftentimes has so little to do with your quote unquote talent or ability. I mean, I used to see my own talent as very binary. Like, and I'm also a musical theater kid. So I would compare my literal talent. And that really just like, how does your voice sound? How high can you kick like to other people? And then when you actually sit behind a table, it, you realize, oh, it's not talent is not the right way to describe what what is happening in, in any given audition. It's more like, is this person do I buy what this person is saying? And then even then it's what are you looking for? There it's just inherently powerless. To mm. be an auditioning actor, there is a lack of power because you are at the mercy, for lack of a better way of saying it, of the people who have written the script who are casting it. And so I understand why it makes, I mean, I went through this, like, it makes sense why you suddenly like, oh my God, I'm so fat. Oh my God, I need to be in classes. Oh my God. I mean, actually being in classes really helped me <laughs> um, because I watched, I watched myself get on tape for an audition the first time and I was like, oh, I'm a bad auditioner. Okay. Oh, really? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I got way better as, I got way better as an auditioner from doing, if any actors are out there and you haven't done an on-camera class where you have to watch yourself audition on camera i highly recommend it oh my god i you know uh it's great. I've, I've been on the other side of the casting uh uh room for bryce i cast bryce in something oh yeah yeah that's I mean, right but did we did him. i ever tell the, did we ever talk about this on the podcast i think we've mentioned it yeah. oh, okay uh he came in and did it he guest starred <clears throat> on an episode of what i like about you that i wrote and I was sitting there with the showrunner and the producers they let you and sing all the on auditions yeah yeah it wow. was wild and everyone came in and i honestly most of them were not good but this was also a particular thing because he had to be old enough to look like he was in his 20s but also young enough to like believably play a high school kid because the reveal was that she was dating a high school kid the jenny garth and she didn't know that (laughs) i did that same role on gilmore girls did you really old enough but young enough yeah yeah, yeah, exactly right, right so he came in, did it, and he was great. And I actually thought he was like the best person. And when he walked out, I was like, I mean, he's clearly the best one. And our showrunner was like, You're right. He's cute. He's cute. He's cute. <laughs> That's just not. And then what? It's like, what does that have to do with anything? He's cute. That's that was it. Uh, so did, he, wow. did you get it? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I guess okay. So. Great. And now we're here. So maybe there is something to all this fate Weird. stuff. But you know, I just think. I mean, I've watched you audition twice. I've improvised with you in an audition. You're a great auditioner. Oh, well, thank you. At least from what I saw. That was, were, one, of my, that was one of my better auditions. You were very you guys, good. Thank you. You guys made it very easy. The first, no, the first time I saw you, though, we weren't even in the room. That no. was just a good tape. No, no, no. Oh, um, thanks. But you, so do you have a sense now of like when you're like, I had a good audition. Yeah. Good oh, audition. yeah. 
Every time. Every time. <laughs> <laughs> but you've been doing it for, I mean, I, I my experiences that I'm thinking of, the, the, old, the way I got good at auditioning was a combination of taking those classes finally. Mm. And then I, one pilot season, Crazy X was about to basically get ordered to pilot, but we hadn't been there yet. So I went in for pilot season and I went in not giving a shit. Yeah. And I got asked key. to test for two different things. Damn. Yeah, and it was just key. like, because the, the core, the key to the not giving a shit thing, and this is why auditioning sucks, is that it, it has nothing to do with like, I don't care about this, I don't want it. You go in just relaxed and so you can be yourself and you can let your natural impulse, you can behave like a person. Right. And when you go in nervous somewhere, you suddenly don't behave like a a person and it's why apparently I found this out and I was so tension, angry. A tension, lot of actors too. take beta blockers before mm, they go to I auditions, which is like, you know, it's a thing for so basically it makes your heart steady. So even if you're nervous, your heart rate remains steady, which I think is such a fucking cheat. Oh yeah. But I mean I guess we could all be taking I've beta blockers. I've never done that, but maybe mm. next time I test I will because that's when I get nervous. The the thing that they put also the 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 pomp and circumstance of like going in for testing for all these people, it's just like do you like them or not? Yeah. Ever, what are we doing? Why do we have to meet? Why did 8,000 executives have to watch this person? That's not the way it actually works on a film set. They get, you get multiple takes on a film set. Like anyway, it's a strange business. It's, 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 it's all, I think it's just destiny. It's just destiny. It's <laughs> in the stars. It's this in the whole stars. conversation was about the fact that it's not. I know. I know. <laughs> but I mean, but I think Joking. that's, that's why like, I think whatever makes you the best version of yourself. And for me, to be to be skeptical makes me the best version of myself also because when i do engage the parts of me that like are interested in the paranormal and there's a huge part of me that is still mm-hmm. um i'm i get tremendously afraid of the dark again oh, and yeah. i really don't like that yeah that's I, primal it's very like the other night i was um <clears throat> Oh, what was happening? It was, oh, it was a New Year's, New Year's Eve and there were a lot of fireworks and the dog was going crazy. So we put on this like, uh, I went on YouTube. It was like white noise soothes dogs during fireworks and we had it on the whole night and it was like the sound of rain that put us to sleep and I had half an earplug in and so like, and then I woke up to get a glass of water or something and I swear I walked out of the bedroom and like heard a voice, but it was, it was just like, it was something from the YouTube video, right? Mm. But it was still really creepy it was yeah. like the sound of a bird going like Hoo-hoo. but in that moment <laughs> i remember maybe there was an owl and I'd, i've since walked out i because i i thought it was a voice that went like who are you and it was really scary mm. <laughs> but i've since walked out at night just to be like anything here <laughs> to listen for a voice there's been nothing since you know there's a great book i think that you would enjoy if you ever want to examine it further it's uh it's called surviving death by uh, a pulitzer prize nominated new york times uh, investigative journalist named Leslie King. Way to bust out the, well, the so credentials. She's, so she's she's a very agnostic skeptic, and she wanted to go on a journey to see if there was any scientific credence to the idea that uh, the human soul or whatever that may be, or just, I'm putting that into it, but if, if there is any plausibility to life after death. And so, you know, when you brought up that you went on a n- numerology reading that hit a, f- hit a couple cue points, she shows she, the book is kind of divided into three parts. One, she, she sort of wor- develops into a, uh, works into a way to, uh, uh, people, well, I'm getting so ahead of myself. Uh, 
But like researching uh, psychical research, which mm. was a big thing run by the CIA. So there's a lot of hard data there. And then she did a lot of uh, research into these young children that had these past life recalls that were really unexplainable. And especially when they when when they get so detailed in some of these past life uh, recalls that they had. And then the third part of the book is she st- goes on these medium quests. So she meets with these different mediums. Uh, and she has a few secrets in her pocket that nobody could really know. And when a few of these mediums hit on it, so she sort of has to confront the idea that there is something here, you know, that there's something more to this. Uh, so she kind of left away going, I don't know what it is, but there's something at play here. There's something more than just, you know, um, something more. It's called Surviving Death. Yeah, it's called Surviving Death by Leslie Keen. Uh, yeah, I mean those reincar. I did a I did a project in sixth grade on reincarnation. Mm, yeah, <laughs> I think there we were studying. So I want to say we were studying like the culture of India. I wanna, yeah, well, I, I a lot it of was it like comes from India, probably like more more percentage wise than any other place on earth. And I chose reincarnation because at the time I was very interested in yeah. the paranormal. And oh yeah, some of those past life recall stories are are they're absolutely wild and they usually take place with children between the ages of like two and seven and once they get past seven they start to sort of lose when the new personality fully develops (laughs) and settles in yeah but they can't remember their previous so should i have you asked your kids like hey do you remember Another life? Well, what, I wasn't where in Where were Bain, you before? Uh, where uh, were you before this? Yeah, yeah I think yeah. Bane Gibby Bain was talking Gibby about that. said, uh, it's, it's a good thing to ask your kids, where were you before this? And uh, I oh think I God. asked my kids that. They didn't come up with any great they're answers. They're too old. But, yeah, they're too old. Uh, so I should ask, so like what, when my daughter's like two, be yeah. like, where were you before? <laughs> right. And if she's just like, I was a countess. And then <laughs> I was burned. Like, there's a thing. You got an right. answer. Holy shit. <laughs> All right. Uh, before we head over to the uh, old L files, uh, Bryce, did you bring in some? Basically, news. Yes, I did. I, uh. I brought in something I was been following a little bit in the news. It's not too paranormal in nature, but it's this... It's strange. It's very strange. It's in our skies. Yeah, it's in our skies. Have you guys heard about this drone mystery that's taking place in uh, northern Colorado and parts of Nebraska? And Kansas now. They're yeah, showing that, up in Kansas, yeah. too. Western Kansas. I will yeah. say, alien stuff, just to, just to say, doesn't feel in the same vein to me as, as other paranormal things. Sure. Because... There are aliens out there. Yeah. Or there's extraterrestrial life out there. I'm sure. Yeah. 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 No, absolutely. I would agree with that. This is uh, so this comes from uh, this is a thing that's been happening no right taking. around the time of December. This article is called A Big and Bizarre Drone Mystery is Unfolding in Rural Colorado. Uh, it was by Tyler Rogaway out of the Drive Warzone uh, media site. He says the sparse expanses of northeast Colorado have become ground zero for a bizarre mystery surrounding sightings of nighttime coordinated flights of groups of drones from roughly around 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. every night last week an estimated 17 drones with six-foot spans have flown grid patterns over Phillips County and near its border with neighboring Yuma County according to Phillips County Sheriff Thomas Elliott the drones operated a few hundred feet in the air and were brightly lit with strobing colored and white lights leaving local residents and those driving through the area baffled Now, the Denver Post was the first to report on the string of strange sightings. Local law enforcement, the FAA, DEA, U.S. Army, and the Air Force have said they have no idea as to what these aircraft are or who they belong to. Um, 
The Denver Post writes, the sheriff's office can't explain where the drones are coming from or who is flying them. The estimated size and number of drones makes it unlikely that they're being flown by hobbyists. And there was a later report that came out after January. CBS, a lot of these local news are covering it, but... Uh, so they, they put together a task force with over 75 different uh, agencies. Now, that's got to say, like, you know, when you get that many agencies involved trying to tackle this, uh, you know, what's obviously uh, something all you got to do is, like, shoot one of these things down and find out uh, who's flying them, right? But Well, get a load of this. Yeah. This might add to some of the mystery because uh, this is from the Denver Post, January 8th. Mm. The Phillips County Sheriff's Office on Wednesday abruptly pulled back from a previous claim that the authorities were looking for a command vehicle that might right. be controlling the drone witnesses have reported flying uh, nighttime patterns in Colorado and Nebraska. Uh, saying that in a Facebook post that the command vehicle information was no longer pertinent or relevant. They were looking for oh. basically a van yeah, hot, yeah. that had an antenna that they mm. thought there might be like a rogue series of technical anarchists hanging out in. Um, so they said, uh, the statement says, the Phillips County Sheriff's Office is not the task force and our jurisdiction does not extend past Phillips County, Colorado, before adding that the office would no longer be making public statements about the drone situation. Interesting. Hmm. What is going on? Yeah, it's a very on. strange thing, right? So residents are like calling in and they're seeing these things at night and going, It's a bunch of 14 year olds. Yeah, but these start. are like these are like six foot drones that weighing over 55 pounds. So um, you'd actually have to have a commercial license to uh, to fly these. And they're and sure it's them. like huge six foot drones. Well, and they're running in grid patterns too, right? So they're running in like what's called like a surveillance grid pattern. Like they information. Use information. And like in grids. I, you know, and I was just at uh, uh, Universal Studios where I saw that Harry Potter like thing flown by the drones. Listening. It was incredible. <laughs> so it's like 50 drones. You have my attention and again. They use, <laughs> they use like a beehive mentality, right? So it's like all the drones communicate with each other to create these huge designs in the sky uh, and they can animate them, and it's it's absolutely incredible. But so many people, so conspiracy theories are abound as to who's flying these drones, why are there so many, what are they doing, and why are there so many agencies involved that can't get to the bottom of this? This has gone on almost two months now, and you think it would, you know, if it was something as physical as all these drones in the sky, and these residents have video cameras of them, you can see them out. They come out quite regularly, but uh, well, by the they're time having this, a hard time getting to the bottom yeah, of this. Yeah, and by the time this episode airs, there might be more information out there, so we yeah. will keep you guys Well, I posted. wanted to throw off my conspiracy theory. Okay. So you know how, mm. uh, like, Greer and To the Stars Academy is sort of uh, uh, getting everybody ready to accept the idea of a of an alien invasion as the next big war, right? So what if... Uh, what if some secret black ops agency is 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 you know running these training uh, drills for their drones to like simulate or emulate taking a playbook uh, play out of the uh, Watchmen playbook? Are they? Oh, is that right? Yeah. Well, if you've ever read Alan Moore's Watchmen and seen the HBO and series, oh man! Series, but oh, dude, the series is great. Mm. That's straight out. Well, of there that. you go. But anyway, that's right. the drone mystery. Cool. Interested well, in oh, that. I will tell you one thing that changed my life a little bit in the past two years. The, the the one time I've gotten really into something where I was like, this might have legs. I got into really, I got really into a podcast about RFK's assassination. Oh yeah, it's called wow. the RFK Files. Yes, and like. It was compelling because there was a lot of compelling stuff about mind control throughout it. And then suddenly the guy who hosts the podcast is like, never mind, it's all bullshit. But 
<laughs> but to certain point, I, I actually don't know how he got there was such compelling evidence anyway it was really interesting because uh it, it, it's and this isn't even like because there's evidence that you can't control someone's mind if you repeated is, hypnosis or whatever that's not like pseudoscience that, well that, and we know that the cia ran a program called mk ultra right. which was basically a forced ritual initiation and then they just let these people back onto the streets which is so insane that MK Ultra was a real thing and like absolutely it, yeah. real. So, but in this case, if you listen to this podcast, Sirhan Sirhan was a member of this kind of cult called the Rosicrucians. Yeah, and uh, you know, there's now the, the girl in the polka dot dress who who ran out and said, "We shot him, we shot him," or whatever. Mm. And I, I really like coming to listening to this podcast and the evidence it presented and coming to my own conclusions. I'm like. I don't I don't think it was like the CIA, but I do think it sounds like he was mind controlled by like this cult to shoot RFK. Like that was a very that seemed very actually plausible in listening to this. So that was like an interesting moment where I really yeah. started learning about I like have mind control. So many questions still about the the whole JFK thing, the RFK thing. You There's know, so many rabbit holes that one could go down. I know. Um, I've been listening to an occult author author named Peter Lavenda. He has some amazing connections to occult groups and and uh, and workings of that these people have actually firsthand shake connections to uh, guys that knew RFK and, and Lee Harvey Oswald. And it's, it's all so strange Ooh. and getting to the bottom of it just seems like an endless soup of like, yeah, maybe it's not you know? worth it. Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> maybe it's just time to move forward. But, I, like that, but I, I gotta yeah. say, I like, I like the, I've always liked conspiracy theories and I still mm. find them very compelling because they're not, they're not with out of the realm of possibility. Sure, you're talking sure. about conspiracies of human beings. Yeah. So you're, there's nothing magical about that per se. Um, it's such like a taboo that. word, but the, people... the actual definition of a conspiracy is just more than one person plotting something. Yeah. So right. they happen all the time. It's just that some of them tend to get, will start to go. And they did it because they were Satanists. Yeah, they can go Satan, off the rails and they, a little they, bit. They, they, they can get really off. Well, the, rails. the other big problem, and I think this is something between between me being a woman and not liking how every woman's magazine has horoscopes, right? Mm. So it's assumed that women are associated with what you know is technically a pseudoscience. That uh, I think it's a. a, a I think sometimes it leads women astray, mm. um, but also as a Jewish Total person, Aries. a lot of. <laughs> Total <Aries. laughs> but I think a lot when you get into magical thinking, and that includes conspiracy theories, a lot of roads lead to the Jews. Mm, like, yeah. like you know, any conspiracy theory, or even like magical witchcraft. Oh, it's Jews, and so I think that that's. I also have a natural wariness of As conspiracy theories because i'm like i know where you're gonna go with this yeah, yeah, and yeah. it's gonna end up with the jews and i gotta say like we're doing nothing yeah <laughs> like yeah. i i know a lot of you i mean i was raised pretty secular so like if there was like an elders of zion i might not be in but like i know a lot of people who were like hey, i know various you're rabbis climbing up the ranks of liberal hollywood right I, now that's the thing is like I, if there was a thing i would get invited i'd yeah. like to think yeah. through my publicist and I gotta say, like, there's, there's nothing. It's no, the, everyone is just a flake out here, guys. And they're the fans fucking... of the same things we're fans of. But it's capitalism. That's what it is. Yeah. This cult of the rich. People are like, oh, it's the Illuminati. No, it's, 
It's the cult of the rich. It's capitalism. Jeffrey Epstein isn't worshiping Satan. Jeffrey Epstein has a lot of money. Yeah. And young girls. Or a little bit of both. <laughs> oh, that he's also worshiping Satan? Yeah, maybe. I don't think, I don't I don't think, think so. so. No. Come on, leave Satan out of this. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Aren't yeah. Satanists actually, hey, like, they're like humanists, right? If I'm you're not like a Satanist. I'm not as gross as that guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's different Satanists. Ew. I kill for my own island. <laughs> All right, guys, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, it's time for your listener files. All right, everybody, we're back. And before we get into the elf files, I realize that, Rachel Bloom, you've never played a game that we invented after your appearance on the show. Oh, right. I think we know how most of this is going to go. But there might be one or two in there. And we got to play. We got to know. Bullshit or believe it. Oh, yes. I've heard this game, but I never played it. All right. So you know how this goes. I'm going to go down a list. If you believe it, you say believe it. If it's bullshit, you say bullshit. There's no in between. Great. On your mark. Get set. (sighs) Ghosts. Bullshit. UFOs. Uh, 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 Bullshit. Bigfoot. Bullshit. Little gray aliens. Bullshit. Out of body experiences. I, I mean, believe it because that's that's your mind does that sometimes. The Bermuda Triangle. Bullshit. Alien abductions. Bullshit. Loch Ness Monster. <laughs> believe it. Time with travel. the caveat time, that I'll time explain travel. later. Wow. <laughs> time uh, travel. Uh, uh, bullshit. Mothman. Bullshit. Reincarnation. Fuck. Bullshit. ESP. Ah, bullshit. Haunted houses. Bullshit. The Illuminati. Bullshit. There's a face on Mars. I mean, bullshit. Skunk ape. What the fuck is okay, bullshit? We'll okay, we'll come back to that with another segment. I love the reaction Heaven. to skunk apes. What? Heaven. Bullshit. Hell. Bullshit. Sea serpents. Uh, I mean, uh, bullshit. Again, I'll explain my logic. Poltergeist. Uh, bullshit. Chupacabra. Bullshit. Atlantis. Hmm. Uh, bullshit? Life on other planets. I believe it. Parallel dimensions. Believe it. The apocalypse. Uh, bullshit? Life after death. Yeah. That nice. was great. <laughs> okay. I really enjoyed uh, that. Yeah. I once watched like a, a, I think a Nova special on the Loch Ness Monster where they put sonar under Loch Ness and they did catch something under Loch Ness. Yeah. So the idea that there is something there... They think it's a giant eel right now. Scientists think there's a giant eel down there. Have you ever heard of the theory? Do you know who Aleister Crowley is? I was just about to bring up Aleister Crowley. There's some great... Haven't I uh, always told you, let them bring up Aleister Crowley? (laughs) (laughs) But there's some great uh, talks and information about how he was doing... Information. He's got a trunk full of pamphlets. Michael, you tell, you tell this one good, right? So he was working some sort of ritual. It was called the... He, uh, he lived in a house in Inverness near a big old mansion that later uh, Led Zeppelin lived in. Yeah, he bought in. that mansion. Um, uh, but uh, he lived in this mansion, and he was doing all these occult rituals. And some people think that he opened up a portal and summoned something that might be the Loch Ness Monster. I want to see that movie. It started appearing 
shortly after Alistair Crowley. Yeah, this Crowley is right had around 1933, and he apparently he left midway during the this this sacred ritual that he was performing. It was a six month long ritual that he was undertaking, and he had left midway through it, leaving some sort of portal open. And it was right around that time that people started seeing this Loch Ness monster. And not only that, when he came back, you know, he ended up selling the house, but that house ev- ever since has remained like sort of like haunted and strange yeah, things happen Page around the house. Jimmy Page bought it? Jimmy Page bought the house? It wasn't Robert Plant. I think it was Jimmy Page. That's right, yeah. And weird shit started happening to Led Zeppelin around then. They got in all that crap and like, it was wild. Here's the thing. In my head, I'm saying bullshit. In yeah. my heart... You're not. I'm you. I'm not spending the night in that house. Yeah, right. I. I. It hasn't translated to my actual like emotions. This yeah. like it. It really is like a fight between my head and 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 my heart. Like there's no no. You're. I'm not gonna go to Aliester Crawley's mansion in Scotland mm-hmm. and do a séance. No, totally. You could not pay me. Actually, our uh, <laughs> we were. Okay, our friend who was uh the assistant prop master on Crazy Ex Girlfriend, our friend yes. Manuel. Yes. Uh, he does this amazing shout out Manuel. He shout out to, to Manuel. Show. He is on an active campaign for me to name my daughter after him. And I Aww. don't know if it's a bit or not, uh, <laughs> but I'm not naming her Manuel. So. Um, so, but anyway, we were at his house. He, every year for, for Halloween, he does his house up like amazing. Basically it's a mix of like just a really good haunted house. And then like the haunted mansion from Disneyland. It's, mm. it's beautiful. All in his front yard. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. And it's, it's this place in the valley he's the only one decorating his house on his street anyway he's he's giving us like kind of a tour of the different stuff and he brings out these uh two red light fixtures did he tell you the about candelabras these? yes yeah. the candelabras so he's like yeah i got these from a funeral home Scon- are they sconces or candelabras i think they're sconces okay fair enough but he's like so i got these from uh these he's like these are in my bedroom i took these from a funeral home uh that had been around since the 1920s and Ever since I put them in my bedroom, I started to hear voices. Oh, fuck uh, that. But my wife now sleeps in another room, but I really like them. And he, he and, got it from the uh, Mystic Museum in Burbank. <laughs> oh, shit. And we were all like, That is a haunted what object. What are you doing? Like, even us, all, all four of us visiting yeah. were like, we, We're not ghost people. We were like, Dude, those sconces are haunted. Dude, if your <laughs> wife like, leaves the bedroom, she's like, I'm not sleeping in this fucking bed he's another a, night. He's self-haunting, and so he's like, you guys can touch it if you want. And my husband, he was like, nope, you're pregnant. You are not touching yeah, that. You yeah. are not making... See? So there's something very like visceral, like he would not let me go near those candles with a baby in my, in my belly. That's a good husband. Yeah. Sea serpents. You said, believe it. Uh. But no, with, I think I said bullshit because oh. like we would know what they are by now, mm-hmm, and and also mm-hmm. like things that they thought were sea serpents are now like, I mean that's when you start to get into like any of this stuff is theoretically once it's proven, it it it's not like paranormal anymore, yeah. and that's especially with like cryptozoology, all this stuff. If we could prove if someone found a chupacabra, suddenly it wouldn't be pseudoscience anymore. It mm-hmm. would just be oh a science. It would just be like look at the chupacabra. Yeah. Well, so, that's, uh-huh. yeah, that's what Bryce is trying to do with Bigfoot right now on right. Expedition Bigfoot. Thank you. You nice. can catch up on all eight episodes of Expedition Bigfoot from the Travel Channel now. Um, Have you found Bigfoot? We got, yes, I'll just say yes. Wow. <laughs> yes. Holy shit, I no, should watch you know, this. I, I will put it like this, you know, we came across like an evidence package that leads to a conclusion that we found something and it all culminates in this in this thermal video 
that uh, our team member Russell took, and it's it's of this bipedal creature. We've had it analyzed by the world's preeminent primatologist, who literally said with me on the on uh, on Skype, he was like, "It looks like something is very far from its home in Africa that shouldn't be here." And this is a guy that spent time with every primate in the world, uh, so. I don't know. And, you know, and, and we found we found hairs. We found a nest. We found uh, some footprints. We got a vocalization that was analyzed by uh, a Hollywood monster engineer who creates uh, monster effects for, for big budget movies. He was able to detect harmonics uh, lower than 20 hertz, which humans aren't capable of, or neither is any of the wildlife that uh, dwells or inhabits the Pacific Northwest. So when you put all this evidence together, it creates a composite picture that says, in my mind, that you know we captured something. Now, is it a what what's known as you know Bigfoot, which you know natives have been describing for close to up to a thousand years? I don't know, but it's, it's certainly promising that it, we captured something. It wasn't human. It wasn't a bear. So it's very strange. I mean, it's interesting because it, it really is riding that line between what's paranormal and what's not, because what you're talking about is they're we are describing as like a potentially like just a, a species of ape yep. that we don't know about yeah. living in the Pacific Northwest. I mean, same thing. And what the Yeti, right? Yeah. Yeah. The Himalayan. Version. So like where yeah. when it's is a, that pseudoscience and when is that just like an undiscovered creature well, it's, when a body ends the, up on the lab table the, the, the hidden hominids what do they call them on the show the um oh the relic, relic hominids relic relic hominids because there's also like that little hobbit those hobbit skeletons yeah homo floresiensis this is this is a hobbit that was found in a cave on the island of florensis and the, it had the, been part of the folklore for the generations people have been describing it was a bullshit. small hairy creature that inhabited the island and it was all uh, it was all like just hearsay until they discovered the bones in a in cave. In like 2007, I and think. That's all... So what was it? So it's, it was it's a, it just was a... an off another. It's a relic hominid. It's like Neanderthal or Gigantopithecus. You know, our, oh my god! That's still that was... our vision of the ancestral tree is is that is that picture that we see where the chimp gets bigger and bigger until it's a walking man. This is this is not the case. Yeah, you yeah. Forget what the we're part. learning right you now. You forget the part, sir. Yeah, where Jesus touches that chimp <laughs> and then a man. <laughs> A man grows that is out not of the in the chin. poster. But what, what we know now is that our ancestral lineage, our ancestral tree, is up for grabs, and and we are discovering new uh, ancestral relics fracture. all the time. Yeah, yeah. And uh, have you read Sapiens? I have it on my desk. It's it's because this is all he talks my, about is you know what, Bryce. That's close enough. You Good have job. it on your desk. But the, this <laughs> is this is what he talks about. Where back. that it's not we 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 picture it's right. That's that evolution charts. No. Yeah. Sa- Homo sapien was one of many Homo. Yeah. Of you know the uh, I guess the it's not G's it's not Jesus it's not species it was one of many and yeah. sap and sapiens slaughtered everyone else but all of us have Neanderthal DNA. We were like twenty three chimpanzees and me. of well, all of an- these. We were the war tribe. Yeah. Like basically, and we like- killed everyone. Yeah. Well, that's another that's another big misnomer is that only one of these species of, of of hominid lived at the same time. But now what we know as fact is that there were multiple uh, hominids living at the at and around the same time until so- Jesus turned Middle Earth into <laughs> Jerusalem. So yeah, What's I mean, that? history is up for grabs. You know, Tolkien it really is. You guys should go to uh, go on like a take this podcast on like a tour of all of the great. Well, I was going to say of all the great religious. 
places, but oh, you would you so would be great. more like you should record in Willow all Creek, of the California. most ha- yeah. all the most haunted places. Yeah, like, we want to go to paranormal and uh, UFO hotspots. Okay, I, we have to get the listener files, but before we do, because yeah. you asked who Skunk Ape was, yeah, it's a new rule that if a guest says what Skunk Ape. Bryce has 60 seconds that old, to that pitch every Skunk time? Ape. Okay, pitch me Skunk right, Ape. Hold on. Oh, my God. I got to uh, get my phone I've got, ready. I've got the pictures out. Okay, great. Uh, Riley, you going to time this? Yeah, I'll time it. Okay, right, i got the pictures go. out. I mean, you, I can guess what right. it might be. Well, yeah. Yeah. 60 seconds to pitch Skunk Ape. Okay. Go. So the Skunk Ape is like an eastern version of the Bigfoot that people have been seeing and describing in the, in the swamps of Florida. Now, an old lady wrote a letter anonymously to her local sheriff's department saying, there is a creature that has been stealing my apples, and it's dangerous. Don't those things carry hepatitis? Did somebody lose an orangutan? She thought it was an orangutan, right? But there's no orangutans in Florida. Anyway, so one night, she goes out with her camera. It's completely dark. She takes two pictures, and she couldn't see anything, but the, with the flash, she was able to see it. So there's two pictures. Michael, show her the pictures. This is one. And as she says, <laughs> you can scroll she says, as you'll see, you, you'll see she, she says, as you'll see, it starts to get bigger on the second picture. So you can see the creature actually starting to stand up and look at the teeth. Look at the uh, the reflection in the eyes, which is known as tacitum lucidum. 15 and so, seconds. So this yeah. is a living biological creature. It's not an orangutan, but this is this is this goes along with so many reports of what people know and call the skunk ape. Five seconds. That was very good. This wow, is really... you came in under the clock this time. It looks bro, exactly right? like Harry and the Hendersons. Totally. Yeah, like right. exactly. shaggier Harry. Um, I mean, uh, yeah, it looks exactly like an orang- orangutan. It's a crazy picture, though. Wow. It, it looks like someone has like a pet orangutan that maybe got out. I don't know, man, yeah. but it's compelling. There you go. This picture's pretty cool. That was All one right. of your best rounds yet, bro. Oh, good, good job, good. Bryce. Really good. Really that so, did he, well, did he <sighs> good, sell good. it? You really sold. Are you going to okay. green light skunk okay. ape? Um, I I still think it might be a pet, but like I look, I believe that there's something there, so yeah. I believe in I believe in a form of skunk ape. Yes, there you go. Cool, there cool. You go. We're I'll interested. We'll talk to you soon. <laughs> we'll uh, test skunk ape. Okay, in front of some uh, you have your skunk ape. Skunk, skunk ape spiel down. Like you just, you were like, I'm not ready. Anyway, okay, here so, we go. Here we the go. setting is 1936. <laughs> All right. Uh, when we come back, we will have your listener stories from the All Files. Sweet. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. So we're yeah. starting yet again. Let's no, start no, no, no. I, I think say you we should keep moving. I think you should play that and, and then just be like, never mind. <laughs> okay, yeah. well, hey, thank yeah. you. And well, she might have had a panic attack when she started hearing it roll. Yeah, let's not do that. So, okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. But, okay, let's Can we do... recap what just happened? All right, let's just All right, pick up from the top. Hold on. To recap what just happened, we were about to listen to a voice memo from a fan story. But within the first 10 seconds, she said that she doesn't feel comfortable with the story being played on the podcast. Sorry. Yeah. What a waste of everything. Don't say her name. God damn it, Michael. Don't say her name. I didn't say her last name. But okay. That's we the know. beauty of not screening before we go live. <laughs> 
don't worry. Your secret's safe with us. Everyone's story okay. is going to be like, please don't share Let's this on do the podcast. This. the last line. Let's kick it off with a good old-fashioned written letter. Um, this one's just called <laughs> L Files, and it's from Daniel. Here we go. Hey, Michael, Bryce, Riley, and guest, Woo! Rachel Bloom. I love the show and discovered your show over the summer when I was looking for something to help me with an itch for the paranormal. Your show helped me realize that I have a few encounters with the paranormal, though I will only share one today. In the summer of 2010, in Syracuse, New York, I was a teenager with my very first girlfriend. Enjoying the... I want to read this like an old man. In the summer of 2010 in Syracuse, New York, I was a teenager with my very first girlfriend. Guys, Riley is, is hand is hand scoring this on a tiny little the keyboard. Cutest little so keyboard. The, so the whole time he looks like a giant pl- playing a piano. <laughs> it's really, it's the most charming thing. He's pan on his flute. <laughs> He's so tall. <laughs> the keyboard's so little. It's so tiny. Go on. Maybe we should get a picture of that. Syracuse, <laughs> New York, 2010. Enjoying the spoils of young love, we would often try to find privacy away from our parents to take part in quote-unquote activities. <laughs> One of the spots would find privacy away from our parents would be in the car at the local DMV. In his car. Hot. Going down to the DMV. There you go. The DMV that we would go to at night is located next to an airport in a major interstate highway. One night, when I was in the front seat, and my girlfriend was in the back seat getting herself together. Hot. <laughs> yes, it's hot. <laughs> I'm just going to slip into something a little more comfortable. Don't get, I don't want to look at you. Get in the back seat. I don't want to sit up front. I don't want to look at you. He gave her a dirty rag. was like, wipe it up. <laughs> Wait, is that pre or post? But either way, you wipe it up before, and you then wipe it up after. Well, no questions now. I spilled some coke. <laughs> the coke woman, not you, you. You wipe it up first. <sighs> oh, uh, she was masturbating. She's in the back seat. He says, "I looked out at the stars and noticed three stars that were brighter than the others. What was very peculiar was that those stars formed a triangle." As soon as I noticed them, they started to move with each other. Though I thought this was strange, it got even stranger. The stars would stop while one would move, then one star would stop, and the two others would move while the whole time it would keep the triangle shape. I could not believe what I was seeing. and called for my girlfriend to see this all the way in the back of my limousine. No, I added Wait. the limousine. Oh, okay. <laughs> I called for my girlfriend to see this. She jumped in the front seat and saw what I was seeing. I wanted to stay, but she quickly got scared and made me leave the DMV. Mm. Though we were next to the airport, I am for sure it was not an airplane, and I often question if it was helicopters, but I do not believe that either. It felt like it wanted to see. It felt like it wanted me to see it, and I do not think helicopters would have scared my girlfriend like that. Totally. I have a few other UFO stories and ghost stories and hope to write in again. Love the show, and I'm always interested in the stories I hear from y'all. Danny. Wow. Thanks, Danny. That was yeah. uh, exciting on multiple levels. 
Man, classic that, black triangle. Classic. And then classic uh, black triangle that separates and rejoins. And and, uh, and the, the one thing I'm always fascinated to, and I've experienced it myself, but when you see something weird, you get this strange feeling that it, it it's communicate, or communicating with you, It's that it's showing itself to you for you. It's strange. Oh, I have two two things to add. That was interesting. Uh, I said that like a child. Uh, on that same trip to Arizona we went on, we went to Sedona. Uh-huh. And we wanted place. to go on a UFO tour, but the lady never showed up. Mm. So Abducted? Uh, maybe. <laughs> or she was taking Case a Case solved. Um, <laughs> so there were two things. The first one was that we were on a, um, we were on a night vision tour of wildlife. And we had night vision goggles on. And we looked over a ridge but we were right near an air force base and we saw this like repeating glow. Mm. But the thing is we were near an air force base. Yeah. So like th- it, it was like, Oh, that's creepy. But also like we're near an air force base. So there's something from there. Yeah. So that was like mildly creepy. But then the thing that I wanted to share was I, I, we were on this uh, Jeep tour of like these Sedona rocks. And I asked our tour guide, you live in Sedona. Have you ever had a paranormal experience? And he said, let me tell you a story. He basically was, he'd go out camping in this one spot and repeatedly he would see uh, a glow, Mm. this kind of nebulous glow that would come towards him and then away from him, towards him and away from him. It was the most bizarre thing ever. And finally one night he was like, fuck it, I'm going to approach this glow. And what he realized was it was a bunch of fireflies that were catching the light from the fire, but it looked like this paranormal glow. But like when he found out it was the fireflies, he like, it almost made it more beautiful. Yeah. Um, because he never realized that fireflies could come in clusters like that and catch a glow like that. Yeah. But, yeah. So. But fireflies, and you know, listen, they're from Venus. Okay. Most, most of these things have a pretty good explanation for what they are. You know what I mean? Um, even in project blue book, I mean, J. Allen Hynek found that, you know, uh, 90% of these cases could be uh, attributed to, to something very real, like mis, misidentification of a planet, uh, a plane. But it was those cases, those 10% of those cases, and, and really just the one or two or three that just absolutely positively could not be explained. And he still doesn't say they're that, therefore they're from outer space, yeah, you know, but they're just un- unexplainable. That's the thing, man. All it takes is one to make it true, not a hundred, you know? So very hundred strange. would help. A hundred would have help. Have you heard, there's that radio uh, uh, signal that's coming from a, a, a yes. pretty nearby mm-hmm. galaxy that we're they're trying to analyze. Yeah, absolutely. You, you sent that to Riley and I this week. The article yeah, it was about a, it was a fast radio burst, and I was surprised because you always get angry about radio signal studies because you're like, yeah. stop looking in old. They don't use way. radio, man. Come on, I know, but it was uh, yeah. So they're still tr- they're still kind of puzzling over what that may be. Really cool. Um, it is very cool, and it did come from SETI, which is what they do. They look for radio signals. Uh, from deep outer space. All right, what do you got for us, Bebop? I got something called Fish, Women, and Water Babies. Sounds like it's right up my alley. Hey, guys, <laughs> my name is Michael, longtime listener and big fan here. I've been chatting with Riley on and off on the Instas and oh, told him yeah. I'd send in some stories. This dude's awesome. Sweet. We've been, we've been chatting. Oh, there you go. He's I just cool. want to say that you guys bring a much-needed, lighthearted, yet critical view to the world of high strangeness. So, thank you. Right off so the bat. So far, the sound, this guy does sound awesome. There you go. He's totally cool. Right off the bat, you need to know that my family on both sides has been practicing witchcraft since the Basque witch trials, and as a consequence, I kind of grew up with a magic realism frame of mind. 
Like both of my grandmothers read tarot and practiced varying degrees of folk magic. As I got older, I took up their practices when they stopped. Even though I practice witchcraft, I'm a skeptical believer because I don't want every Sasquatch story I hear to turn out being a bear or a ghost or being an old house in grief. So, I've noticed that Bryce is like the only podcaster that takes mermaids even remotely seriously. Thank you. I have a story that I've only told a few people in person, and I've spoken to with some of the more high strangeness podcast hosts. I'm glad you feel comfortable with me sharing your mermaid story. Um, Ever since I was little, I've had a deep, pun intended, fascination with mermaids. Like, it doesn't matter if they're beneficial medicine teachers or carnivorous monsters. I love them. Here goes my first story. (laughs) A while back, I think I was like 10 or 11, my dad took us to Yosemite. We had been there basically all day, and we didn't head home until the sun was setting or had completely set. I can't remember if the moon was full or not, but there was enough light to see a lot out of the car windows. I can't remember exactly where there was a bit of traffic, but I looked out the window at one of the pools on the Merced River, and I saw a woman's head break at the surface. Whoa. Her head bobbed for a few seconds, then went under. A few more moments pass, and she doesn't come up. I look around for a tent and can't find one near us. To this day, I'm convinced I saw one of the Miwok fishwomen. A few years ago, I started to have dreams about them, and now I treat them like just another one of my patron spirits and leave them meet on the riverbank or drop it over on one of the bridges on the river. If their appearance in my dreams is what they really look like, then the simply half-human, half-fish description is only vaguely accurate. My second story is way creepier. I live between highways 152 and 140 and around wetland bird sanctuaries with some deep creeks and sloughs. Every now and then, a group of friends and I would go out to this long road that lead to some of the ponds that were maintained for duck hunting. We'd go for many hikes or just generally explore the area. On this particular outing, the sun was just starting to set and the egrets were coming back to the trees to roost so we knew it was time to go home before the coyotes started coming out. We were about half a mile from the car, and all of a sudden, we hear a bunch of coyotes start to sing. We get a little scared and just start talking louder so they avoid us. The coyotes howl again, and it sounds way closer this time. In the middle of the howl, we hear this deeply creepy gurgle. It sounded like a baby crying mixed with a toad croaking, and the coyotes immediately stopped their own sounds. We pick up the pace and just book it back to the car. The sound starts up again, and now the sound sounds way closer, but the car seems to be the same distance away. A barn owl screeches, and then all of a sudden, we're like maybe 20 feet from the car, and it's now completely dark. I am convinced the owl was my familiar spirit animal animal guide, whatever you want to call it, and that we heard the water babies. They're Yokut mermaids that take the shape of human toddlers with either reptilian or fish-like features like super sharp teeth, sometimes tails, other times scales on their arms and legs. I do have a question for you guys. Do you think there's a Bigfoot? Do you think there's Bigfoot the animal and Sasquatch the spirit? Native Californians knew of coyote as an animal, but coyote was still an incredibly important spirit to them. I do have experiences with the hairy man, but... They were deaf more of the spiritual unseen nature. Sorry for the novella, guys, but let me know what you think. Wow. Well, there you go. Um, Is there a P.S.? 
Oh, is there a PS? Let me see. No, no PS. Oh. Well, I'll tell you this. You know, it's interesting. What a great, uh, great, great couple of stories. You know, um, as far as the natives, uh, do I think there's a difference between Bigfoot the animal and Sasquatch the spirit? You know, on the native totem poles, every animal on there had a place in their uh, habitat, and they weren't quote-unquote spiritual or mythological creatures so if on the totem they had an eagle then then they you know uh felt that the eagle was sacred the the toad the creek the coyote uh so if sasquatch was a spiritual or mythological creature it'd be the only one represented in the totem poles of indigenous north americans uh to be in that zone of uh, of a mythological or spiritual creature that being said um, you know, there are some native tribes that felt that, uh, Sasquatch did have one foot in the spirit world and one in the physical world, but no, to the natives, it was a real physical creature, not one of mythology, not one of lore, not one of legend, but an actual real creature. And as far as the, uh, the mermaid thing goes, man, that's fascinating. Um, I, I've never heard of the, uh, what did you call them going back? The Miwok fish women. The Miwok fish women. I don't think I don't think I have either. Uh, we definitely talked research. about water babies at our Fanex yeah, show yeah, in Salt yeah. Lake, um, but the Miwok fish woman does seem to ring a bell. Um, uh, the Sasquatch thing is interesting because uh, I'm reading finally, almost finished. I finally sat down almost two years later to read the uh, Life and Times, uh, Bigfoot, The Life and Times of a Legend by Jason Blue Bus. Oh, yeah, you were telling me about and, that. And um, it's interesting because he sort of goes through all the origins of the narratives of Bigfoot. And Sasquatch is really, at one point, Sasquatch really just referred to the Bigfoot of, like, the B.C. area. Yeah, it's a Sasket word. It was called Sasket. Yeah, and it could refer to a number of things, a spiritual hairy man, a wild man of the woods. Sometimes it was considered uh, what some tribes would describe other tribes that they thought were feral or cannibalistic. Um, and then the California Bigfoot was known as Bigfoot. And then over time, in the 50s, really, we started to blend those two terms together. Mm. So uh. Sasquatch would might actually have more of a um, connection to the spiritual side of the, of, of the animal because it's more of the uh, natives people, First Nations uh, word. Whereas Bigfoot seems to be a yeah. more modern name and modern discovery of like so many of, of these the terms, it was coined California. by a uh, by a newspaper man. Yeah, it's true. And uh, and the word the word Sasquatch was actually mispronounced and misprinted. It was comes from the 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 the, the British Columbian uh, indigenous tribe, but it was they called it Sasquet or something yeah. like that. Oh, but, like Saskatchewan. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. But it ended and it ended up being coined Sasquatch by the the newspaper man. So Saskatchewan I don't is think not it's the like same. land of the Sasquatches. No. no, I don't think it's the same. No, it might not be. But some of those so. words might have a a, a familiar uh, proto noun. He said, "P.S. Michael, have you looked into what spirits like you?" Maybe all of your experiences lately have been their way of trying to talk to you. Well, now you sound like Adela Levine, our friend who's a medium and intuitive <laughs> on the show. And um, I'll, I'll think about that. I, I haven't looked into that. Um, I do okay. want to go to Adela Levine. Oh, you, I think that would be a fun experiment. Yeah. Oh, my God. Did I'm I tell interested. you about the time when 
I did it for two reasons. One, my dad was an atheist. He recently passed away last year, and I wanted to go to Adela, uh, not only to kind of say to him, I told you so, as if in there was something to the afterlife, <laughs> but to see if, if she could actually, if I could get more evidence, more proof that, that, that all this stuff is for real. And I was, I was pretty fucking blown away, man. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I kind of left going, man, that was, that was weird. You know, I always like to say just to be like that, that I live my life. I call myself like a practical atheist, theoretical agnostic. Yeah. Like I live my day to day as if there's no, that my, there, there's nothing out there. Like, because that helps me be the best person. Theoretically, I am open to other things, but that feels very different from my like practic the practicality of how I lived today. Sure. Well, day you know, you said you believed in parallel worlds. Who's to say some of this stuff isn't bleeding over? From That's like another... always been my thought and my theory about yeah. some of this is that is that if if parallel universes are scientists talk about them all the time. Uh-huh. Who's to say that we're not you're not hearing things or seeing things that are just like bleeding over from the or, bubble mm-hmm. universe right next Absolutely. to us? Who else is th- say that like maybe our consciousness when we die slips into one of those parallel dimensions yeah, absolutely you know and it's just it's a for it's a type of dimension that we don't or understand. think of it like this too perhaps the brain is a receiver like a like a like a radio you know and all you got to do is tune to another frequency and some of these these abstract Come frequ- on, frequencies are, <laughs> Let's do that twist. are coming over and we're That's picking up the signal your brains do <laughs> yeah. too all the time uh, right so you have a letter in front of you there? I do. I'm I I I this is gonna be a scary story. I think. All right. This is called up We Fucked Up Major from Alex. Oh shit. <laughs> Hi Bryce and Michael. I have never said this story to anyone, even my fiance before, so I apologize for this long email of this. Sorry, it says so I apologize for the long email of this. I want to get his wording correct. I found you guys through Ask Eliza Anything, and I have been binge listening. My story is about a demon that we accidentally let into our house. Oh, no. I'm the youngest of three with two older brothers. On my second oldest brother's 13th birthday, we played with a Ouija board. It was homemade and terrible. I did not touch it, but I did watch as his friends played. They never got any responses after an hour until one of his friends thought he'd be funny and ask any demons around. Oh. All of a sudden, the power went out in the house, except the TV, which was off turned on we all screamed and the game ended without ever closing it after that i had nightmares for years about my family's souls being taken and tormented and mine as well a shadow man would make noises all throughout the night and just torment my mom and me oh i guess this is real my mom was plagued with accident after accident she quote-unquote fell downstairs at least once a month had five major surgeries within three years with declining health in her late 30s. And I kept having accidents where I broke bones, developed rare genetic disorders, and feeling sick all the time. My brothers never had issues. Until one night, my mom all of a sudden started screaming at 3 a.m. I soon started to realize why as it began I soon started to realize why it began happening to me we both had scratches that felt like someone burned our skin it was agony I will never forget the feeling of my skin opening without seeing anything to make it happen my scratch formed an M and hers was a T my brother's names were Mikey and Tyler I freaked thinking the demon was going to take them we finally told my mom what happened with the board 
three to four years after playing on his birthday. I thought she was going to kill us. We moved houses shortly after, and the new owners started having the same issues. They moved as well, and the house has been empty since. I still have nightmares to this day, seven years later, as if the demon is still calling me back to that house. I will never step into that property again because I still feel the presence of the demon. Just waiting for my mom or I to make the mistake of coming back again. Love you guys in the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Alex S. Dude. Wow. So Alex, that's the scariest letter we've ever gotten. Wow. Uh, hey, Sounds like a job for the Travel Channel. <laughs> I think you should talk to maybe locate a trusted uh, medium or intuitive. I don't want to volunteer anybody, but somebody who can maybe close that up for you. Find a yeah. uh, uh, maybe somebody who can shut shut that portal down for you. I think that can be done. Uh, you just need to talk to somebody who has some positive white magic and or uh, intuitive abilities to shut that shit Isn't down. Isn't that for crazy you. though that Parker Brothers still releases and makes the Ouija board and they sell it in the fucking kids' toy section? My grandma and I would kids play with it all. Man. My grandma and I would play with kids it all the learn. time, and she would, but she would fake it. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Oh like I'd God. ask it questions, and she'd like, I'd be like, Grandma, you're doing. She'd be like, no, I'm not, but wow. I think she was. That's my friend so has a pretty, very creepy Ouija story. Yeah, that's why. Yeah, I've heard I, a lot of creepy Ouija yeah, stories. Yeah, I've heard a lot of That's that's yeah. cr- They're crazy. Do you want to share your friend's creepy Ouija story? Yeah, didn't I share it last time I was on here? Because mm-hmm. it's not mine. I don't remember. Maybe you did on, uh, I think you did on another podcast called A Funny Feeling. Oh, maybe that, mm. right, because they go let me it. share stories that we yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Go find our sister podcast. Um, oh, boy. That's scary, dude. Alex. Yeah. Feel for you, man. Ignore the demon. He's got no power over you. No. Well, I mean, well, sounds like he does. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean, talk to somebody. I, if this, I mean, just to say, like, if this yeah. this is all true and there is a demon, Devil's advocate here. Sounds, sounds like sounds like this is far from metaphorical. <laughs> all right. It sounds like to, sounds like the demon uh, is actively. If he's saying he developed rare genetic disorders, get somebody to get that demon off your back. Oh, Go to man. a doctor. Yeah. And well, I think he's. Been to a oh, doctor. He's gonna, he's gonna get, been to get, a get a medium and intuitive to shut that shit down. You need a um, witch doctor. Do we want to play uh, a voice memo? Sure. We have one from a listener. He's written in before. Listener James or Jimmy. You re- may remember him as the guy who was in the boat out in the middle of the lake. That uh, oh, we all remember that. Remember boat. that boat <laughs> that night. Here we go. Hello, Bryce, Michael, and Super Producer Riley Bray. It's your friend Jimmy from Michigan. Just wanted to leave a voice memo um, about a story that I have for you guys that I sent in an email, but I figured I could do a voice memo. Um, So over the last five years before I moved back to Michigan, I managed this restaurant in Cleveland, Tennessee, a little north of Chattanooga called Catch Bar and Grill. Uh, In my time there, I'd always heard, you know, quick remarks from the owner and his friends about a ghost haunting the place. I never really thought much of it. Um, I did have a few odd experiences during my time there. Uh, Just things I attributed to normal things like I don't know, Um, but I did feel sometimes like taps on the shoulder (laughs) or erratic security sensor noises. 
There was one time I did see a door close by itself and I grabbed a server because I was concerned that someone had entered the building after close. But upon investigating around the banquet room and where I thought it, the person had entered, no one was there. Um, but when I put in my two weeks notice back in April, uh, I began to notice some weird stuff. Uh, one night, it was a really busy Friday, probably the busiest I had worked during my time there. And there were just a lot of terrible people in the restaurant, you know, like just, just rude, rich, old people that just weren't very friendly and I would say like there was a lot of negative energy flowing in the building uh, when I was standing near the register at the bar um, all of a sudden there was this loud crash and a martini glass had fallen from the rack and this had never happened before and I was just looking at the rack, totally perplexed, because I did not know what caused this glass to fall. But I figured maybe it was like a slick surface, or I had maybe put too many glasses on it. Um, but as I turned around to talk to a guest about it and start to say how weird it was that that happened, all of a sudden, smash! Another glass falls and smashes right next to me. I was really frustrated because I had to burn the ice well in case any glass got in there. But I just couldn't believe that after examining them, that another one flew off the rack like that. A few nights later when I was closing and in there by myself, I felt really uneasy. Uh, every hair on my body was standing up. And I've been in this restaurant alone so many times by myself. And... I've walked through there with all the lights off. I've never been bothered. But I just felt like something or someone was there with me. And the feeling was so intense, I just kind of like clenched up and I, I yelled out, fuck this. And I locked up and just left without finishing my closing duties. I actually texted the owner afterwards and I said, hey, I'll come in early tomorrow because I had to leave. The building scared me and he kind of joked back that it's because they don't want you to leave uh, I think he was just messing with me of course but it was still just really weird so in my last week there a few nights after that incident I was closing up with a server friend of mine named Chloe and I was telling her about some of the stuff that had been going on and how this guy once told me that there was a ghost in the building that now housed our banquet room. And I said to her, I don't even know if he's still alive. I was referring to the guy that told me the story. And right after I said that, we heard a man's low voice very quickly, just like a low audible noise, say, no, no. And I shot a look at Chloe and said, Did you fucking hear that? I mean, she grabbed the counter for support and like out of fear and replied to me, What the fuck was that? 
I checked all around to see if anyone was in there. And I ran outside to see if anyone was out, outside the door. But she confirmed exactly what I was thinking and said that, no, I think that came from the door near the kitchen. Um, afterwards, I mean, I was so shook. I, I was nauseated. Uh, and Chloe and I had a few glasses of wine and kind of calmed down. But I mean, I cannot get over the fact that I, we both heard that voice say no. I just, I don't know what it is. I don't know what that was. But uh, when I left, I did smudge the building. And, uh, you know, because my friends work there and my co-manager closes up at night by herself. And I just really wanted to leave, leave the restaurant and, you know, that job feeling like I left them in good hands. Um, so... Hopefully that helped. Uh, I will say this. When I visited back in October, I drove through on Sunday morning. And I, I did. I passed the town to go straight to Chattanooga. But my friend Chloe sent me a picture of broken glass on the bar floor. And it was a juicer, uh, like a glass juicer that you would like kind of strain the juice out of an orange or something. And she told me that that morning when I was driving through that that glass juicer just flew off the bar and broke on the ground and I don't I don't know if that's because of my visit or what but I just thought that was really weird and I thought you guys would appreciate that story anyway um yeah I'll try to send you some more stuff soon all right Peace and love, Lynn Frogman. Yeah. Get it? Love yeah. Lynn Frogman? There you go. <laughs> anyway, take care, guys. Ah, uh, thanks for, uh, I was going to say writing in, but calling in, I guess you yeah. could say. I like that the glass was like, oh, the juicer was like, hey, that dude's back in town, Smash. <laughs> That's I'm really, cool. I like to imagine this place is haunted by all like former shitty managers of a restaurant, which is one of the most horrifying things i can imagine i've had some really when i when i worked in restaurants i had some really shitty supervisors and managers and the idea of like a building being filled with them all just like yelling at you like what do you mean you lost the stetland reservation (laughs) now you gotta burn the ice well yeah like and the idea that the all the the haunted (laughs) man oh interesting okay <laughs> really developing this character of the manager. So he's died recently. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was suicide. <laughs> Makes sense. Checks out. Hung himself. God. Suicide's not a joke, guys. Sorry. It's not. It's late. We're punchy. Uh, Rachel Bloom. Last podcast you ever do? <laughs> no. No, it's, I mean, these, I, I am glad, uh, oh man, it's going to be creepy walking out of here back down to my car. I'll make sure you get home safe. 
Thanks. I'll follow you all the way home. <laughs> like, that is loaded. In the backseat. Oh, mm-hmm. hey. what, what did he talk about his girlfriend in the backseat? Getting herself together? <laughs> yeah, You'll be back. in the backseat. <laughs> getting, <laughs> getting yourself together. Oh, yeah. You'll okay. be in the backseat cleaning up all the cum in my yeah. car. <laughs> not from you. There's just a bunch there of cum in my car. Uh, yeah. It's not from me. Yeah. I need someone to clean purpose. it up. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks for sharing your spooky stories with us. I'm Rachel Bloom. Rachel, yeah. uh, thanks so much for joining us uh, for an another honor. episode of Bigfoot Collectors Club. Where, like Bigfoot, where in the woods can you be found? Uh, do you want to joke? Like, like, really, do you want me to answer where I'd live in, if I lived in the woods? You can. Uh, I just meant you'd it as find plugs. me in a little, a little lean-to by a lake. Ooh, Ooh, I like nice. that. And where can people find what you're working on? Oh, you could just go on my Twitter. Okay. Rachel does stuff. So my we Instagram got, too. When does Trolls come out? Oh, man. It comes out in early April. I'm oh, not cool. going to be able to do any press for it because that's right around the time I'm supposed to have a baby. Wow. That'll so, be like, fun. I was a with my kids when we were watching a movie and you came up in the previews. It's, it was so cool. It's really cool like i was it, like i know that lady when you do have you done it have you guys done any like voiceover not on that scale nah. it's interesting because you're alone in a room and you you only realize after the fact like oh my god i'm in a movie with some really famous people yeah. right because you never see them yep yep it's gonna be awesome i'm gonna take my kids we're gonna love <laughs> absolutely it. and then cut and run the other podcast you're doing check that out yeah it's a narrative podcast Is that, that by I was in. acker and blacker it's acker and blacker and it's with audible Fantastic. And it's me, Sam Richardson, Darcy Carden, oh, and wow. Tom Lennon. And it's narrated Stacked. by Meg Ryan. What? Cool. Yeah. Oh, man. That's Check insane. that shit out. And you just sold a show, too, right? I yeah. mean, I mean, this yeah. lady's on fire. And she's about it. to push a baby out. And I'm about Damn. to push a baby out. Or have a baby ripped out of my stomach. Wow. Either way. Either it's way. coming out of you we one way or another. Uh, Riley, it is uh, the end of January. Anything to plug? I mean, that's a tough act to follow, but yeah. uh, I, I directed some content for uh, Gibson's new YouTube channel. They're calling Gibson TV. Uh, there's a documentary on how the guitars are made and also a uh, acoustic series, um, people playing their songs. It's a lot more coming, too, that we're working on. Pretty excited about it, so check out Gibson's new uh, YouTube channel. Fantastic. And... Uh you already plugged me beautifully uh, earlier, but Expedition Bigfoot oh, Sunday I'll plug nights. You. <laughs> Ken just lobbing that one across the plate. Huh? Ten nine Central. Every time, baby. Clean it up, Michael. <laughs> Michael's in the back. Yeah, I'll be in the back seat of the car getting it together. All right, everybody. Uh, I want to thank our guest one more time, Rachel Bloom, for being here. Uh, it's going to be a long time before she's on another podcast, so you better uh, get it while you can. And uh, until I mean, next week, I remain Michael McMillan for Bryce Johnson and Riley Bray. Uh, until then, good night. And go get regressed. The art of you heightening that wall. Bigfoot Collectors Club is produced by Riley Bray. Our theme song is Come Alone by Sun Eaters, courtesy of Lotus Pool Records. If you like the show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It really helps get the podcast to more listeners. To support the show, check out our Patreon page at patreon.com backslash Bigfoot Collectors Club and unlock multiple reward episodes every month. 
Hiya, I'm Hallie Labonte from Mega the Podcast. I'm a weekend producer at Twin Hills, a fictional mega church in Broad Ripple, Indiana. And I'm Gray Haas. I'm the youth pastor of our church's teen ministry called Climax. On every episode of Mega the Podcast, we improvise with a new guest comedian playing a different character from our community. Tune in and hear episodes with guests like Cecily Strong. How would you f- me off or whatever? Sorry, am I allowed to say that? I don't know. You know what? Well, it's covered in the blood. Rory Scovel. Uh, yeah, I said, hey, we could build houses or we could... Uh, we could build our faith in Christ out on a golf course. Eliza Coop. The way I plow the snow yeah. is uh, I'm not doing it by any other guidance except from from God. And Scott adds it. Physics is the proof of God. Wow. Because it's perfect. Oh. oh well. Do you know what I mean? Yes, absolutely. We couldn't think of physics. Right. Only he could think of physics. Isn't that right? We're on Campfire Media. Listen to Mega wherever you find podcasts. Campfire. Hey, this is Eric Malinsky, host of the podcast Imaginary Worlds. Each episode, I explore different sci-fi fantasy genres, talking with filmmakers, novelists, game designers, cosplayers, comic book artists, and anyone who works in the field of make-believe. I also look at the fan experience, asking, why do we suspend our disbelief? You can subscribe to Imaginary Worlds wherever you get your podcasts. On a summer night, Douglas Wagg Jr. lay motionless across a strip of railroad tracks before being struck by an oncoming train. I'm investigative journalist Delia D'Ambra, and my investigation into exactly how Doug died took me into the depths of a bizarre mystery. It was really hard to understand what was fact and what wasn't. A mystery that has led me from one suspicious death to another. Listen to Counterclock now, wherever you listen to podcasts.